Hello and welcome to National Treasure News. I'm Emily. And I am Aubrey. And we are so happy that you're joining us today for our August 2023 installment of National Treasure Hunt's recap of, of National Treasure relevant things going on in the world. Emily, it's so good to be with you here today. It is It is such a pleasure, uh, as, as always, to be on a Zoom call with you, Aubrey. Um, <laughs> so, w- without giving too much away, uh, what we're going to be talking about today, I feel like everybody's probably read about a lot on social media, um, which I realize could be literally anything. Mm-hmm. But, on that note, if you... <laughs> would like to find us on social media or tell us about something else you've been reading about on social media that you would rather us have covered, let us know. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. Okay, so for the record books, Emily and I are having this conversation on July 13th, 2023. Um, so The conversation we're about to have is actually quite recent. You guys are going to hear it after it's had time to marinate a little bit, and hopefully you will have had time to form your own thoughts on this topic as well. That topic is what Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny could tell us about National Treasure 3. Yes, we are voluntarily talking about Indiana Jones today on the pod, and it's honestly like the whole topic of conversation. Who are we, Emily? We are people who care about popular culture, and this is one of the things in popular culture that I was reading a lot about. I mean, it seems inevitable that we we should talk about this, right? Because as we've talked about multiple times on the show, National Treasure is first and foremost compared to Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is a franchise. National Treasure is a franchise. People have been really eager about this Indiana Jones sequel, pentquel, however many movies there are at this point, this latest one happening, and people are also clamoring for the third National Treasure film. So there are some parallels here that we can learn from. We love to learn. So today on the show, we're going to start by um, overviewing for you how the release of Dial of Destiny actually went. We are going to talk a little bit about the history of its production and its slow rollout. We're going to talk a bit about its critical reception. And then, of course, throughout all of these sections and including into our wrap-up at the end, we will connect this story to the story of National Treasure 3. Not necessarily, I guess, the uh, the, the plot line, <laughs> per se, but the story of production and release. And uh, we'll make some predictions, maybe, even. Yes, and I feel that, you know, before we, you know, get get rolling here, um, one thing that I would like to note, just so everyone is aware, um, Aubrey and I have not seen this movie. Uh, so we are doing our reporting from a purely, like, fact-based, critical review, monetary review. We're, we're going into it as kind of scientifically as we can without necessarily being kind of like marred down by 
our opinions, be they positive or negative, about the Indiana Jones franchise and like this movie in particular. So just wanted to just wanted to mention that up top. We love a good disclaimer. Um, Okay, let's jump in with the release stats. So as you all may know, um, after an initial screening at Cannes Film Festival, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was released in the United States on June 30th, 2023 by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. The production budget for this film was enormous. Is that a fair way to describe uh yeah it it like it yeah because it sparked a whole conversation about like how much we're investing into movies for good reason i mean the budget for this film was just shy of 295 million dollars not including the marketing campaign and this was one of the most expensive films ever made up until this point So we release at the end of June. By July 8th, so a little over a week later, it had grossed just over $102 million in the United States and Canada and just over $70 million elsewhere. Basically a worldwide gross at this point of $172.5 million. And based on the production budget, this was considered a bomb. Not like the Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I mean, we could have a whole different discussion about how making that much money shouldn't be considered a failure, but you know, be because of the amount of money that was put into it, it, yeah. it does not, like, it's just not making up for it and we'll touch on some of the stuff but yeah it interesting absolutely now one of the things m that i found most fascinating here was about the audience demographic in like the first week um of release it turns out that americans under the age of 30 showed up to the theaters to see this movie in lower numbers than most summer releases according to the rap and more than 50% of the opening weekend audience was over 35 years old, according to Deadline. So this speaks a little bit to the audience, I think, of the types of people who are going out to movies these days, as opposed to waiting for a release on a streaming service, but also speaking to interest in this particular movie, this particular franchise, potentially even this particular type of film. Yeah, so I personally think just because I am surrounded by people who are either under the age of 30 or are in their very early 30s and do like to go to the movie theater, I did not hear a single person (laughs) tell me that they wanted to go see this movie or have like a plan to go see this movie amongst the people in that age demographic. Hmm. That being said, like, my dad went to go see the movie, um, and he is well above uh, 30, (laughs) but he's also liked Indiana Jones since it was a thing. And now, I personally think it's 
a nostalgia thing, which I know we're going to get into a little bit later, but I think that there just aren't maybe that many people that are super invested in Indiana Jones that are of a younger generation. I think what's most important for us here is considering what this observation might mean for National Treasure 3. I think that it becomes abundantly clear because, again, as much as we argue against this, Indiana Jones and National Treasure are fairly synonymous to the vast majority of the population, even if they're not to us. Um, National Treasure will need to appeal to all age ranges. And that feels very obvious to say, um, but I think this reality of, of Dial of Destiny underscores that. And I think this goes back to something um, that we have said, I actually think on a guest episode of someone else's podcast, what they should have done for Edge of History. What we think would have been really effective for Edge of History, and therefore what would probably be effective for National Treasure 3, is to create something that current young parents, i.e. the people who were kids when National Treasure came out the first time, would want to watch with their current children, just as their parents did with them in 2004 and 2007. So you immediately get two age ranges. You get the kids that are now going to grow up with it, and you get the parents who have the nostalgia factor to actually get them to the movie theater, right? But now you're breeding, if you will, a whole new generation of fans for the franchise. That is what they must do to make National Treasure 3 successful. And I dare say... Maybe that approach could have made Indiana Jones, this latest installment, more successful. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I don't know how much Indiana Jones is, I guess, like targeted towards children. Probably not much. I mean, though it is owned by Disney now. It is owned by Disney now. But I think part of what maybe led to this not being as much kind of checked out by a younger audience at least in the opening kind of period is the fact that they had tried to do a movie that was an Indiana Jones movie and spin it off with a younger like character so they did this with a Shia LaBeouf and that did not work well uh, that movie was not very successful. <laughs> People didn't like it. There are other things there, but I think they tried to go down the route of like, let's appeal to younger kids and previously, and then kind of like walked back on that hmm. here, which maybe lost some people. Well, we have so much more to talk about here. So let's move on to the next point, which is on the story of production of Dial of Destiny and what is ultimately a very slow rollout, which not going to lie, spoiler alert, has me a little worried for National Treasure 3. Aubrey, what doesn't have you worried for National Treasure 3? Honestly, not much at this point. Okay. Um. So Disney first announced this latest installment of Indiana Jones in March of 2016. What? 
the year after we graduated college. I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, they said it would be released in July of 2019. Okay, so they initially had this three-year window in mind, which feels fairly reasonable. Um, George Lucas, importantly, was not involved in the project. I'm going to start spitting a lot of like movie entertainment industry names because I'm going to kind of analogize this to National Treasure and its names later. Um, but by 2017, the film was already delayed to a 2020 release because of Steven Spielberg's other commitments, um, as he is also a very important part of this this franchise. There were also lots of script delays. Um, it was actually said that two early iterations of the script failed because Spielberg, Harrison Ford, and Disney couldn't agree on the script. Huh. You might wonder why I bring this up, or you might be like, huh, this sounds a little familiar, right? I, I wonder if we could equate this a little bit to... Disney not agreeing to a script by the production team in the last 15 years, which apparently has happened numerous times. Um, or maybe even Nick Cage might have had reticence over past scripts. Who's to say? But I I'm already seeing some production parallels here. I also think it's worth noting, though, how in the Dial of Destiny case, we also see the importance of production members' schedules coming into play, particularly when you have really in-demand people. In this case, it was Spielberg, National Treasure. This might be the conflicting schedule of a very, very active actor named Nicolas Cage. Hmm, maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like... In the best case scenario, National Treasure 3 gets greenlit and then takes two years or something to film and go to post. That's pretty standard. But that timeline, Emily, would almost assume that Nicolas Cage, let alone you know Justin Bartha and Diane Kruger, has nothing else going on, which feels extremely unlikely. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nick Cage, we know, has had a lot going on. For sure. So that is a genuine, you know, we're just going to add to Aubrey's list of concerns today with this episode. Um, this is definitely one of them. It, it means that we could see a very long wait time between green lighting and actual movie. But back to Dial of Destiny. By 2018, Emily, we have another delay. It was delayed to a 2021 release. And then Spielberg actually steps down as the director by 2020. And then COVID happens. So COVID delays production further. Like, let's really hope we don't have another COVID to contend with in the next couple of years before National Treasure 3. Yes, I think you said it well. Let's hope there is not another COVID, not just for National Treasure 3, but for the world as a whole. Um, I also found that when I was looking into this a little bit that there was an additional delay in the production once the filming actually began in june of 2021 and this was because harrison ford actually injured his shoulder during a rehearsal for a mm. fight scene that month which meant that basically filming had to be done completely surrounding his recovery mm. now I, you know, take this with a grain of salt. So the Collider article that uh, I was reading this in 
did mention that Harrison Ford was in his late 70s in June of 2021, which feels like they were definitely trying to equate his age with the injury itself. Um, So then that leads me to this question of like, do we think that the age of Nicolas Cage would impact National Treasure 3 filming in a similar manner. I think ultimately no, mainly because one, he's currently 59, which mm-hmm. obviously is not the same as late 70s, but also he still seems to do a good amount of semi actiony stuff. And if we're being completely honest, the action in the Indiana Jones movies does seem to be like a little more intense than the action in the National Treasure movies, at least like physicality wise. Mm -hmm. So I don't think this is a concern, but it's just something that I wanted to mention because age is something that's going to come up again a little bit later. Okay, we love that. I agree with you for what it's worth. Also, I don't know if you saw this, but at the time of this recording, Emily, like yesterday, a new Nick Cage trailer came out. It's called The Retirement Plan. Yeah. I don't know how much of a stunt double he had, but he Nick Cage's character at least is very action oriented. Well, let's hope he had a good stunt person or he's just doing well at the ripe not ripe at the young <laughs> age of fifty nine. <laughs> you have to say that again. <laughs> and you have no, you have to leave that. You have to leave that. This is so funny. Well, you mentioned that they now had to work around this injury filming for dial of destiny finally wrapped in february of 2022 now the first image from the film everyone knows it's finally happening right is released only a few months later in may of 2022 and exclusive footage Uh, like a first look almost, was showed at the D23 Expo in September of 2022. So between February, they wrap filming. September 2022, they have bits of film that they feel comfortable showing a public audience. That's a pretty good post-production kind of timeline. Um, The title was revealed in December with its first trailer, and then they had a big TV commercial spot during the Super Bowl in February 2023, and then, of course, the premiere in June of 2023 emily i don't know if you want to do the math on that between all those years and months that i stated i said them for a reason they gave dial of destiny a full year of promotion and marketing before its release now i understand very well that as much as i disagree with it national treasure is not as big of a franchise for disney as indiana jones is but I do still think they'll give it some juice, given how much anticipation there has been for this. And it's Nicolas Cage, and everyone loves to advertise with Nicolas Cage because it's a sure bet. Oh, true. What kind of marketing are we expecting here? And I guess most importantly, what will this mean for our timeline? How much time are they going to have to add on to the end of filming? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. That's a scary point, isn't it? (laughs) It is, but I don't know. I don't know. Can I say probably the most optimistic thing I've said in a week, and certainly on this podcast, I 
believe that whatever marketing window there will be, I'm going to, I'm going to manifest something right here on the pod. I'm going to manifest that whatever marketing span there is for National Treasure 3, it is going to absolutely fly by for us here on National Treasure Hunt because we are going to be so intimately involved in it, formally and informally, that it's going to be snap our fingers and it's gone. But let's hope. Manifesting. Okay, Okay, let's move right along. Um, It was said that the production team never considered recasting Indiana Jones, despite Harrison Ford's age. But they did end up introducing a substantial number of new characters played by younger actors. Now, Emily, I, I really, 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 did I say really? Really do not think that they would ever recast Ben Gates, especially <laughs> given the reaction to Edge of History without having Nick Cage there. I I think that there would be literal revolts of some nature if they said, oh, this is Ben Gates. He's played, it's the same character, but a completely different actor. Oh yeah, I feel like in general, I feel like franchises that are like continuous like this do a fairly good Mm -hmm. job of not recasting the person the actor and saying that it's the same exact character i feel like i to the point where they would i feel confident in saying disney would pull the final life support on national treasure 3 and just never make it like if if Nick Cage said I'm out, they would do that before ever remaking it with like a different character. Oh, a hundred percent. People are worried about that online though. I've seen that before, and I'm like, I- I'm 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 here to quell your worries a little bit in this case. Um, okay. Last point before we go into the reception, I think it's interesting to note that back in 2016, when this initial announcement about the the Indiana Jones movie came out. It apparently at the time was really not clear if this would be the last film in the franchise. So they left the door open for more opportunity. But Disney confirmed in early 2023, so earlier this year, that it would in fact be the last movie in the Indiana Jones franchise. Um, I think that's worth bringing up because we joke on the podcast how we would love to see National Treasure 3 be such a big success that they end up doing a fourth and blah, blah, blah. Um, And that is very true. But I do think this is interesting, um, this decision by Disney, because Indiana Jones is a massive tentpole for them. uh, One of their biggest franchises ever. And they made this decision before it premiered and bombed. So to all for all they knew, this was going to be a huge hit for them again. And yet they pulled the plug. I will say I do not trust (laughs) uh, what Disney says on that front. Um, I mean, now I trust it because the movie did not do that well or has not been doing that well, but they, so like one of the, one of the things that I was reading online about this that had some people confused is kind of what they do in, I feel like a lot of the Mission Impossible movies where they kind of, at the end of the last movie that they did in the Indiana Jones franchise, they kind of wrapped things up. In what felt like a nice way, apparently Indiana Jones was, like, relatively happy and, like, ready to, 
you know, retire, hang up the the whip and the hat or whatever. <laughs> and then like they started this movie and that wasn't the case anymore. Mm. So I will say that I feel like they had the intention of maybe not ending the franchise previously, but of at least ending things with the character. Okay, we will move on to the critical reception portion of this discussion, which is always interesting because we on National Treasure Hunt have some choice words sometimes for critics. But we are going to take a look at what critics and audiences are feeling about Dial of Destiny. So at the time of our preparation for this podcast episode, Dial of Destiny was at a 69% tomato meter, which is a reflection of critic scores on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it did have a substantially higher 88% audience score. All right. So this is um, the similar type of distribution as we see for a national treasure. We don't see that quite as high uh, in general for national treasure, but definitely a substantial spread between the two in favor of the audience. Um, it was at a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Um so, yeah, I guess really quick, this is exactly what I'm going to expect from a National Treasure 3. I think the critics are going to destroy it. And I think the audience is going to be so freaking happy that they would love it regardless, as long as they yep. answer 47. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think I think, you know, we've we've literally seen mm -hmm. this breakdown before. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like we know this story front and back. Mm -hmm. Um. And so I think, you know, with bringing Nick Cage back, it'll and be okay. On a slightly separate note, I will point back to this statistic and this episode whenever people in future are like, oh, well, you know, everyone loves Indiana Jones, but everyone hates National Treasure. I'm going to be like, no, actually, again, the spread, the distribution between responses between audience and critics is very similar between the two franchises. Moving right along, let's talk about some comments. Um, there's a Variety review um, that had, I think, a really interesting line. It reads that the movie is dutifully eager, but ultimately rather joyless as a piece of nostalgic hokum, minus the thrill. It rarely tries to match, let alone top, the ingenious staged kinetic bravura of Raiders. I mean... Right away. That person just wanted to use too many fancy words. SAT like, words. Yeah, 100%. You're fine. <laughs> but the reason I pull this is not so that we could prolong our beef with the critics, although it is always a fun activity. It's the nostalgia piece, right? You mentioned this earlier, M. Um, National Treasure 3 is hardcore going to rely on nostalgia. Um, I think much like Edge of History tried to, like Edge of History tried to make so many references back to the movies as a nostalgia bit and to get people like excited. Um, but I think Edge of History was missing the important mic drop moments that the films are so known for. So we're gonna, long story short, we're gonna need the I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence equivalent moment to happen. Oh, hold on, Aubrey. I thought we had a whole conversation last season on an episode of the podcast about how jess's line of i'm gonna break him out of prison speaking mm -hmm. of her father was exactly like the i'm gonna steal the declaration of independence 
moment, but not as impactful. It Exactly. It didn't land. It didn't land because it wasn't high stakes enough. It was not mic drop enough. And okay, also so have this on record. Raking someone out of prison, not high stakes enough for Aubrey. So let's top that in National Treasure 3, after, please. You're going to tell me breaking someone out of prison is more impressive than stealing the Declaration of Independence or kidnapping the President of the United States? No, I didn't say it was better. I just said that we're going to need to top that. and We are. That, that's going to be hard because I feel like we used two of the big things in the United States. Truly, that... I, I don't know. I would Unless give... they literally say, I'm going to steal the United States. I would give my left arm to know what the current line in the script right now is. Like, honestly, I would, I don't know what I would do. I'm going to release the virus. That's dark. And... That's, no, that's like from a Dan Brown thing. He didn't actually say that. <laughs> oh my God. All right. All right. All right. Moving right along, there are some more reviews that are a little bit more neutral. You know, not great. Not, you know, super negative. These are the likes of um, Vulture and Vanity Fair. I'm realizing these all start with Vs. It's getting very confusing to me. Very like, confusing. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, did I already say this one? No, that was Variety. So Vulture and Vanity Fair come to mind. Um, for example, stating that you're not going to lose yourself the same way you lost yourself in the other films. Um, but you're going to have a good time. You're going to enjoy yourself. You know, the basic pieces are there. A, a big quest rooted in history. A little bit of Supernatural, which we know I personally hate. Aubrey Paris hates this. Um and they noted easily rooted against fascist villains, um, something for which Indiana Jones is certainly known. <laughs> and which maybe we need a reminder of today. Who knows? Oh, my God. Um, ultimately, I would say that this iteration of Indiana Jones was better received than Crystal Skull. Um, but many are still feeling that it lacks an exciting premise warranting the Indiana Jones moniker or name. Um, so I feel like if the reactions to Dial of Destiny are any indication, audiences are going to criticize National Treasure 3. No matter what the storyline is, it is going to be a tough audience. And this makes me, you know, the reactions to Indiana Jones make me understand a little more why they're being so careful with the National Treasure 3 script. Even though, arguably, they were also careful with the Indiana Jones script. Even carefuler. <laughs> Good English, Aubrey. <laughs> All right, last point here before we do some of our wrap-up big picture thoughts. I did want to point out, I don't know if you registered this, M. I read, again, we did not see Indiana Jones yet. I read that the plot involves the Antikythera mechanism. That is what they are dubbing the Dial of Destiny, which if y'all are longtime listeners of National Treasure Hunt, you might recall from one of our very early interviews with co-creator Charles Seegers, Charles had wanted to explore the mystery surrounding the Antikythera mechanism in a future movie. Do you remember that, Emily? What you're saying sounds familiar, but I don't remember what the Antikythera mechanism is, which is kind of making me want to see this movie now. So please explain it to me so I don't have to. <laughs> I mean, it, it. I'm going to totally butcher this, but in basic premise, um, 
there was this old like timekeeping mechanism that had was sunken underwater um off the coast of somewhere i believe in europe or um yeah i think it's europe and it was it was recovered in recent decades and people don't know what it did or how it worked um huh. remember this is the one that Seeger said he wanted to do a movie with like will smith who like he had created the Antikythera mechanism and it was like a time traveling device and then he hides all the pieces to it in different oh, places yeah. in time and he had to go he like, made back it, and get it. Yeah, he made it sound a lot cooler than you just did, but yeah. Because he said it was a time traveling device. Yeah, but we know you don't like time travel because that's supernatural, so... But um, <laughs> Sorry, Charles, if you do make that movie, I guess Aubrey won't like it. But I will cover your red carpet. Um, okay. <laughs> So let's connect some of um, some broader critiques of Dial of Destiny to National Treasure 3 as we wrap up today. Um, there was an article in The Guardian by Ryan Gilby, and Gilby said, quote, It is almost as if depending on the sustained affection of an older, nostalgic, and largely male audience, rather than including anything that could entice a younger, diverse demographic, has proved a flawed strategy. I found that to be such a fascinating, fascinating quote because, I mean, it's poignant for sure, but it is worth noting that Edge of History tried doing the younger diverse demographic thing, and that too did not work in the way that they had hoped that it would. Could be for various reasons. We've talked about marketing. We've talked about the actual writing, etc., it did not work. And Emily, as you pointed out, Indiana Jones tried doing the younger thing previously, and that didn't work. They did. Yeah. And this is, once again, why it will be so important for National Treasure 3 to be an intergenerational hit, just like its predecessors were. It will need to be, as Charles and Oren have said before, quote, purposefully PG. Mm, I like that. Okay. Okay. It also goes back to one of my initial points um, and one that you reflected on from a personal standpoint, Emily, who goes to the movies these days? You know, you are never going to rake in the absolutely insane numbers anymore while people think that they can just watch it when it goes to streaming in a couple of weeks. So I feel like I feel like studios, I feel like this should be pretty obvious. I feel like studios need to do one of two things. They need to either not spend the type of money that they spent on an Indiana Jones because there's no way you can recover that in theaters. Or you need to play with your distribution between theaters and when it goes out on streaming. Like maybe slow roll, it's going to streaming. Or make it such a big splash in the storyline space that people feel like they're going to be missing out or they're going to be spoiled on social media if they don't see it immediately yeah and i will say that i think uh, like the marketing campaign for like a movie like oppenheimer has kind of done that a little bit in the sense of it was a very it's a very slow rollout just in the terms of like the movie but the way that it was like marketed to like make such a big 
ideal and the way that it was filmed like it was specifically filmed with IMAX cameras which like I get you're not going to do that for National Treasure 3 that's okay we don't need that but that makes people feel like if they don't go see it in an IMAX theater they're going to be missing Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. and there have been a lot of articles about like how the soundscape is specific for the types of theaters and it, it seems like one of those things that like you want to see in a theater so i feel like maybe that's less for national treasure three and maybe more what they need to do is kind of be like what is on page 47 Mm -hmm. and like if you don't go see this you're gonna be spoiled yeah and that's gonna suck that is a huge thing also there's gotta be some economic bit or business component here that i don't fully understand but like why not wait six months to put it on a streamer? I know it means that the streamers aren't going to make money off of it, but like if people know that they, if they don't see it in theaters, they're not going to be able to see it for half a year. I would go see it in theaters if I was like on the fence. Yeah. I don't know. I've had some conversations with some people recently that actually are kind of like the opposite of that. Like if they're not willing to go see it in theaters at first and then they find out it's not going to be on streaming that soon, they're kind of like, Oh, well, I'll still wait. (laughs) But it could just be the group of people that I'm talking to. Yeah, a lot of your observations are very antithetical to my own. So we definitely are just surrounded by very different people. Yes. Um, And so I wanted to bring up, once again, when I was looking at things, I mentioned this, or Aubrey, you mentioned this earlier, but... um, the the film Indiana Jones was actually premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. Some people are saying that premiering it there was a mistake. Some of these people include Thomas Butt, uh, for, who wrote a Collider article. Uh, he specifically mentions this, citing the quote critical body of Cannes as being the wrong target audience for Mm -hmm. a blockbuster film like an Indiana Jones. And he said that this led to the film basically being attached to, quote, poor word of mouth months before its theatrical release. So, like, before people were even seeing the film, they already had heard, like, "Mm, I don't know if it's going to be great. Now, we can talk we and we have about critics and reception of movies all day and why it's good or bad but it does seem like this was a marketing attempt that just didn't go super well and we know and Aubrey you did say this earlier as well that Disney doesn't quite value National Treasure as highly as the Indiana Jones franchise, right? Like, there are no rides about National Treasure. Um, They have not been as quick to do more National Treasure, right? And so we know this. So hopefully Disney wouldn't even consider putting National Treasure 3 in the Cannes Film Festival or something even remotely similar before an official theatrical release. However, if Disney did suddenly decide, which I hope they do, to go all in on marketing for National Treasure 3 prior to its release and doing that like one year of marketing that we're like both excited and concerned about, 
this would be a potentially huge problem if they put it in one of these film festivals because we know that the critical reception for National Treasure 1 and National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets were not good. Mm -hmm. So, like, with these types of films, let's just, like, societally agree we're not going to submit it to one of those festivals. Okay, cool. I agree. That would be, I think, a huge mistake. Um, All right, a couple last points that I think we can make very quickly, but we would be remiss if we did not make. In Dial of Destiny... There is a new character played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She plays Indiana Jones' goddaughter. Um, According to the internet, specifically The Guardian, the actress herself, while I'm sure she's a fantastic actress, compared to the name Harrison Ford, uh, lacks a little bit of name recognition. And so... That was seen to be a little wishy-washy, not great, you know, for the movie. This makes us wonder, of course, if they will introduce a legacy character in National Treasure 3, a relative, a, I guess it would be a descendant, a descendant of Ben Gates um, in his lineage. This is actually a question Emily and I have been getting more and more lately from audiences during our book tour. Actually, just at the archives, we got a question, like, would they do, you know, they used Liam Sadusky in Edge of History. Would they do something similar in National Treasure 3? Time will tell, I guess. Um, I think some people would love it and some people would hate it. So it could be polarizing for sure. Um, another big point that you had to know we were going to bring up here is the fact that for Dial of Destiny, they used a substantial amount of de-aging technology on Harrison Ford, and this has been said to be very off-putting to some viewers. This is perhaps a hint that they shouldn't even consider de-aging Nicolas Cage, even if uh, it takes a few more years for NT3 to come about. That being said, they probably don't need to, um, because makeup can actually do a lot to de-age people when it isn't as severe as what they were trying to do for Harrison Ford in this movie. Last, last point here is actually quite interesting and I think a good one to end on today. I've seen some criticism that the choice to have Indiana Jones fighting Nazis was seen as an overdone element, um, as something that has been done in the franchise before. Um, But I've also seen audience members say, like, this is a little exhausting given current relevance to social media and some real-world events right now. So... This, once again, speaks to the critical importance of a careful plotline for National Treasure 3. This means we cannot make it the same thing that we saw before. We cannot make it even remotely similar. It needs to call back to it, but we can't say, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence verbatim, right? But we also can't make it hit too close to home. People are going, why are people going to these movies? This is, to me, some proof that it's escapism. People want escapism. They want this to be rewatchable and they want it to feel relevant in that like it feels like it could fit into our world, but we don't necessarily want our escapist media to put all of the spotlights on all of our biggest problems in society for us to watch for two hours and 11 minutes. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, I think that that, that's fair. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they choose to do because I think I definitely fall on the 
side of erring more towards being more relevant to like what's going on in a broader society but i also understand the idea of escapism but i feel like no matter what way you choose you get people complaining on either side of it so anything else for us to cover here in terms of indiana jones i think we've we've compared and contrasted our our little hearts out we have All right, you all. We hope this was interesting to you and gave you some food for thought regarding National Treasure 3 and its status. Um, Emily's going to tell you in just a moment where you can share your thoughts with us on this episode and what we shared in terms of our opinions. But I quickly do want to point out that our semi-annual National Treasure Hunt tour in Washington, D.C. is coming up very fast, our fall 2023 installment. It will be happening on September 23rd, registrations are open and they will close in early September. So if you want more info on that, if you want to sign up, head over to nthuntpodcast.com slash tour right now. Don't wait. Yeah, please don't wait. Please do this soon because I am getting married like a week or two after the tour. So please don't stress me out in the months leading up to my wedding. Just register ahead of time. Honestly, just, this just do it now. This is a it's great, great it's a great wedding present for Emily too to support her on this tour. Yes. Um so if you want to share your thoughts on this episode or anything else really, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. This has been National Treasure News. I'm Aubrey and I'm Emily. And thank you so much for joining us on our National Treasure Hunt. Mm-hmm.